0: how you build rivalries and that's how you build atmosphere.
1: Edwards three-pointer is good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. Corner! Corner!
0: They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruning. Joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson-ish. How are you doing today? Um, You know, it's Tuesday afternoon, uh, the day after the national championship game. How how are you feeling?
0: I was doing good until about 10 minutes ago. Um, I just read the news about Mike Vrabel getting fired from the Titans. Uh, Those that don't know, the Titans are my team. Um, But, you know, I'm here to persevere and move on and, and and power through and do this podcast
1: yeah that's all right that's all right Derrick Henry's gone variable has gone it's a, it's a new era new yeah. era for uh, y'all yeah. can wear the Houston Oiler jerseys uh under we a new can do that
0: we can look good but we'll go zero 17 <laughs>
1: <laughs> um all right but a lot of basketball we gotta jump right into it man this mm-hmm. was a this was the first weekend where it felt kind of overwhelming and mm-hmm. I felt I sat in front of the couch and I don't mean overwhelming in a bad way actually I mean in a good way uh I there's of, to watch. Yeah, I sat in front of the couch on Saturday and did not move. Uh watched game after game after game. And uh then Sunday came and went. Uh Monday came and went, both having a couple results here and there, not nothing crazy. But uh recording this on Tuesday and on Tuesday night, there are a lot more, you know, Big 12 games. I think there's some uh games across different conferences, but we can go back and forth just like we did in the non-conference where you know we give our uh, takeaways go uh, just what we saw from the weekend and what we're thinking. Uh, do you want to go first?
0: I mean, I think we got to start with. I mean, yeah, I'll go first, but I think we should we should start with the, in my opinion, the biggest result of the weekend, which was Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech seventy eight, Texas sixty seven in the Moody. Um, I mean, look, this game played out about as. Not, not exactly how I thought, but in terms of what we know about both coaches, I think it played out the way we thought, um, for, for those that, you know, are, I guess for, for people that are, uh, to get this out the, out the way, you know, of course thing with Pop Isaacs came out, um, he was suspended one game. He came back for this game. Uh, Texas tech said they ran his incident by the title nine department. Um, Cleared him basically of any basically they said he's remains in good standing. Um, because if for those that don't know, there was a lawsuit that came out uh, last week. Um accused him of sexually assaulting a minor during a trip in November um in the Bahamas when they were on their um I believe it was the tournament. What was it the Atlantis
1: tournament? Yeah, Battle for Atlantis.
0: Um so they filed the lawsuit was filed in Lubbock County. There's some rumors about who it involves, all this stuff. Um tech ran it by their title nine department. And they basically, like I said, they basically said he remains in good standing. So they cleared him to play and, you know, by all means, as far as what we know, they ran it by their team. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Um, So he did play in this game. I want to get that out the way. Um, And Texas Tech came into the Moody Center and I mean, <laughs> they out. Tough in texas man like it it was a it to me it showed and you texted me that it was just a coaching mismatch right like it was grant mccaslin versus rodney terry and no tech didn't play their best defensive game but i thought that what what grant mccaslin does so well not even just as a defensive coach but as, as a coach is sure his offense aren't his offenses aren't the most beautiful to watch, but they're always efficient. It feels like, and when he's going up against a coach, who's not that, you know, doesn't emphasize defense, they carved them up and they were able to get so many easy shots. Even the shots that they missed, they were still easy looks down the stretch, especially Texas couldn't get a stop when they needed one. And when you have shot makers and pop Isaacs was, you know, he ended up having the game high 21, um, Joe Tucson as well started the game hot oh. from three and it was just like Texas couldn't get a stop to start the game or to end the game and tech that's where tech basically won it was they got out to the big lead or they got out to a hot start offensively and then uh, the defense finally clamped down better during the game and to end the game they just uh, had enough to keep it up.
1: Yeah. Tex Tech ends the game shooting 53% from the field 7 of 15 from three only nine turnovers. Um, only four offensive rebounds. Texas had 15 offensive rebounds. But to your point, the looks they were getting were were so qual- were so much quality that I didn't feel like, oh, man, you know, they need the offensive rebound more. I felt good with the offense they were running and the looks they were getting. Um, and also, to get to another point is I think Texas is more athletic. I think Texas is um, bigger. You know, Texas has better players. And Graham McCasland – with less talent is the coach that i want instead of rodney terry with all the talent like that's it was that way at utep when he when rodney terry was at utep north texas and grant mccaslin was at north texas Mm -hmm. that way now with texas tech versus texas you watch those two on the sideline and i have flashbacks of 2018 2019 2020 all of the year was where Grant McCaslin just ran Rodney Terry out of the building. And I remember him holding that UTEP team to like 33 points when they had Sule Boom and mm-hmm. all these P5 dudes and they couldn't score the ball. Well, Grant McCaslin just did it in the Moody center against a top 20 Texas team and a team that I think we both can agree has more offensive firepower has uh, more talent across the board. Tyrese Hunter, Max Amos, uh Dylan Mitchell, Caden Shedrick, This is Dylan DeSue, and Texas Tech just took it from start to finish. There was, I mean, there was, you know, times Texas I thought could got back in the game, but Texas Tech overall just controlled it, was the vastly superior team, and Grant McCaslin is the vastly superior head coach to Rodney Terry, and I just thought that was on full, full display tonight. Yeah,
0: and I think that for me, the... I mean, we, you know, this, it was basically a, a summary of why we were hesitant on the Rodney hire, right? It's like tech, by all means, tech is not the more talented team, right? They're just not. Um, and they just, they looked like the better team. They look like the more composed team, right? This was in the Moody Center. It was a decent environment. Yeah. Um, and they just look like the more composed team. And Texas brought back a lot of that team from last year. And you wouldn't have been able to figure out that one team was the Elite Eight team and one team was the new team under the head, under for, um, first year head coach in the Power Five. So, like, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how things pan out. But this, it kind of continues that cascade of like, okay, Texas, what's kind of happening here? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And I believe they're still ranked in the AP poll, which I think is nuts. Are they really? That's I think horrible. so. You,
1: if, if they lose tonight against Cincinnati, it'll it won't matter. They are
0: literally 25th right now, which Cincinnati, is still again. That's not they they're not this is not a ranked team.
1: No. Um Brock Cunningham ends the game, 31 minutes, 0 of 2 shooting, 5 rebounds, 0 assists, 0 steals, 0 blocks, 1 turnover, 5 fouls.
0: Look, I I. Yeah. This is getting old, but it gets to a point where at least like when, when Beard was playing him. He just like smothered the floor in defense, right? It was just like, we're gonna put him out there, we're gonna put a bunch of these other guys out there, right? We're gonna we're just gonna like no one's scoring, right? Is like that was kind of the lineup that he would kind of be in. Now it feels like it's like okay, we need him out there because no one else is defending, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we need somebody out there, and it's like, man, when you have nobody else nobody else uh, if you would yeah when you have nobody else helping him out on defense it like he he becomes a liability because he's not scoring so i don't know that was uh, he made sense on a chris beard team he does not make sense on a Roddy Terry
1: team nope they are 54th in the country in defense currently um just a, a staggering kind of drop off from where they've been um even under shaka they weren't that low i'm looking the last time they were 54th in defense let's see how far i gotta go i don't even see one outside the top 40 and i'm on 2014 right now okay 2014 rick barnes 53rd in defense so that's the last time they were outside the top 50 in defense on ken palm so yeah um texas like you said not a top 25 team i don't think texas tech is a top 25 team but that's a great win for Grant mccaslin and that um squad and we'll see um What they have moving forward, who they play tonight? Uh, Oklahoma State at home, so potentially could be two and zero for Texas Tech. Texas plays Cincinnati on the road. They are five point underdogs in that one. If they lose that, we are just (laughs) off the rails, off the rails for Texas if they lose to Cincinnati. Which I'll
0: I'll say that 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 Houston game is all of a sudden looking.
1: When do they play Houston?
0: Uh, let's see. They play them January, the end of the month, January
1: 29th. Okay.
0: Okay. That's I thought, okay. I thought it was like
1: next week. I was like, no, oh. but st- still, I mean, like, I,
0: I ain't expecting nothing to change in the next. What they weeks. play Baylor
1: the 20th. I don't feel great yeah. about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we should hit on uh, the main women's basketball topic real quick, which is Sedona Prince. Um, yeah. Yeah. Out. Uh, broken finger. Uh, had surgery on it. TCU then loses to Oklahoma State, 67 to 59, at home. And just like that, TCU TCU is in a situation where I don't know. Like I don't. They're not going to be a bottom feeder in the Big 12 if Senator Prince misses. What? How much time do you think she misses here?
0: Um. I mean it.
1: I would expect three weeks, four weeks. I was about to say,
0: I would expect the end of the month. Um, it was, you know, it's a finger. It's not, you know, it's not her whole hand. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's like some, again, this is me speculating. I feel like there is a chance where like her finger gets like to 70% and then she kind of just, you know, tapes it up and, you know, puts a, puts a cast or splint on her or whatever. I didn't know what hand it was. I don't know if it's her shooting hand. Yeah. Or, I didn't see exactly which one. Um, but it's not like a devastating injury, right? It does – let me see. Uh, broken fingers from Alexa Philippu at ESPN. Um, she doesn't specify.
1: I don't think there would be a timetable. I just feel like three or four weeks it would be. Right, a- I was about
0: to say. I don't think – but, again, she's not out for the year, right? So
1: they're 1-2 and two now overall. The next two two games are at Texas, which Texas – I don't have them on my docket right now, but Texas is just rolling. They beat the heck out of West Virginia – Um Texas, Madison Booker. I said this.
0: Harmon's injury is gonna speed like jumpstart Madison Booker's All American campaign.
1: Because like
0: I think I think since she's been out, she's averaged like 18 and 8 and like six.
1: Yeah. The freshman all-American team this year is gonna be absolutely nuts. It's gonna be Mm -hmm. players that average like 18, 18, 20, you know. This is gonna be
0: one of those, like, hey, can we speed up to get these girls like in the Olympics or something? Because these are gonna be like this is gonna be stupid.
1: Um, but yeah, at Texas, so that's, you know, we project that probably as a loss, but then at Houston, which that's a big game. Cause you probably need to win that Houston's been struggling. Then mm. home against Kansas state at Iowa state. Those are two games that they'll probably be underdogs in without Prince. And at that point, then you get UCF, Texas tech, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, like it's, it doesn't get really much easier here, uh, for TCU outside of, I think that Houston game. And so. The expectations I think drop significantly now with Prince sidelined. and they're one and two right now. If they can just try to stay at five hundred, I think, well, uh, then get Prince back. I think you're you're in a good spot, but that might be asking a lot,
0: yeah. I do wonder, like I'm not saying this is like, oh, it's a good thing that she's out, but I do like we were talking about how like how many issues they had without with everybody but Prince and Connor. I do wonder if it's like okay if they can figure some, again. It's they're not going to be as good of a team clearly, um, but I do wonder if it's like if it's the if it's not the worst thing in the world to maybe figure some things out without her um, by the time she gets back. Because again, it's not a leg; it's not you know it's a, it's a finger. Yeah. So like hopefully she gets back to you know 100 pretty quickly. And so I do wonder like if it's not the worst thing to like go through a couple weeks of like okay let's figure out some offense without our giant six seven post player.
1: Well, the question becomes if they end up going 500 in conference, is that enough to get them in the tournament? Sure. Sure. Like that, the, the tournament I do, I do think becomes a question mark. If you are below 500 or at 500, yeah. because you don't have, yeah. they don't have the non-conference wins, which we've talked about. Like the non-conference is their best win is Nebraska. And after mm-hmm. that it is rice like that. That's, that's the non-conference for them. So yeah, it's I agree. Like it's good to go through it, but at the same time, they can't fall off a cliff. If that happens, this might not be a tournament team. And that sure, would sure. be very, very sad if that did happen. Yeah. Um, go ahead. It's your your turn. Who you got?
0: Uh let's see. Let's go. You wanna go to wanna go to Memphis?
1: Oh yeah, let's do it. That was fun. All right. Well, it wasn't fun for SMU fans.
0: That was fun. I I don't know. I I was, I came way encouraged. Um, So SMU Memphis, we mentioned this one. This was on Sunday. Uh, Memphis 62, SMU 59. I mean, this was a, for the first half especially, I was 120% in on smu right this was like this was the smu team that i'd hoped to get they held smu to what like 29 at the half or something like it was under 30 i know um, twenty four.
1: sorry 24, 24. yep Man.
0: 36 to oh. 24 at half time in a stellar half from them um and i'm in like we had some questions about this team at the beginning of the year we're like okay well how good this can this team be this is relatively the same supporting yeah. cast how much can you put on zurch you know we had all the questions I, I, man, this seems just good. And of course, they, you know, Javon Quinterly hits like a crazy shot yeah. to win the game for SMU. um You know, I honestly look, it's, it's, you know, contested three. What are you going to do? Right. It's a tie game. You're, you're yeah, okay giving up a three. three was two of 11 <laughs> uh,
1: from the field before that shot. Jeez. Two of, that's,
0: that's nuts. Um, and I don't know, man. Like, SM, like the issues with SMU are going to be the issues with SMU, which is like, okay yeah, you kind of would like for Zurich Phelps to be a more efficient scorer because <laughs> he's really, really struggling from the field. Um, but, like, if you're playing defense the way they do, and it's not like they're lacking scoring. They have team-oriented scoring, right? There's, I think the issue with them is Zurich Phelps hasn't taken that leap to be that guy that they would need, right? Yeah. But they're still, like, a well-rounded enough team to where they have enough offense and have enough shooting to be able to stay in games against teams like Memphis. Um but when it gets down to crunch time, yeah, okay, that's when the issues kind of come back, um, in my opinion. But overall, like I, I came away, I came away impressed. I really did. Like they went to Memphis, right? I think this team can absolutely beat Memphis. Um, yep. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Um, I, I came away encouraged, and but I know it was still a frustrating loss.
1: Yeah, um, I for some reason love teams that have like blatant identities and that mm-hmm. stick to them no matter what good or bad, and SMU ends the game shooting 33.8% from the field, 3 of 21 from 3, 12 of 21 from the free throw line, 19 offensive boards. It's turned into, like, they're just, I I agree with you that they can score, and I think against worse teams than Memphis, they'll be able to score the ball. Um, Like you said, the problem comes in these crunch time situations where Memphis is on a run and maybe they hit a couple shots and I've been there. I've covered North Texas teams where you've covered Texas state teams where it's like, all right, the offense isn't there. It's a defensive team. And so when a team hits a couple shots, you need to got to counter it. Yeah. And I've seen those teams have players to counter it. SMU right now, Zerge Phillips is not quite efficient enough to be that guy. I think the way that they counter is offensive rebounds and trying to get the like easy paint points. Like Tyreek Smith, that went five of seven was the leading scorer. The only player in double figures for SMU 12 points. Um, like those are the type of plays they have to make. And that's hard to rely on against good teams. So, uh, but still like you, I left the game encouraged. I think SMU is currently the third best team in the American uh, North Texas is, is is pushing for that. They've played a lot better. But uh SMU is right there with with North Texas fighting for that third spot, which is a, a really good position considering where they were last year. Um and yeah, they're 15th and they're now 15th in Ken Palm on defense. So it just man, nobody's scoring. <laughs> nobody's nobody, scoring on Nobody's scoring when that this game happens. <laughs> All right. Um let's bounce to let you know let's let's keep it in the american yep. and let's talk about utsa and rice the super bowl <laughs> that, that was played in a rec gym in houston mm. and i don't want to dog on rice too much because you know maybe that was out of the control uh but sure. let's just say when you turned on utsa versus rice you would, have thought you, were,
0: was, you would have thought you were watching practice, or yes, something like
1: and it was being played in a rec center. You're like, you know what, this strangely feels appropriate for this game. This feels <laughs> like, um, I'm in the right place, <laughs> yeah, yeah. UTSA and Rice go back and forth. UTSA starts off strong, Rice comes back. Uh, the two go back and forth, battling it out on the hardwood if it was even wood that they were playing on. I don't know, um, in front of a packed gym like a thousand people if that and it goes to overtime utsa pulls out the 89 to 82 win and rice is officially in my opinion the worst team in the american athletic conference utsa we called it i posted the clip we called it utsa was gonna beat rice because utsa at this point Is a better team than Rice. Jordan Ivey Curry, 15 points, only 3 of 9 shooting, but 8 of 9 at the free throw line. Uh, Lingard, 24 points for UTSA. Fuller Jr., 23 points. Mm. There's no answers. Rice just allows UTSA to shoot 14 of 31 at the the three-point line. And uh, I was, again, just blown away by how poorly U- rice defends by po- how poorly they are constructed and how poorly they play overall. If this is just not a good team and the worst team in the American.
0: Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, you know, I think they announced, what was it? Some structural issues or no, something. I thought, I thought there was a leak
1: or something. Was some like, leak. There was water or damage. Rice's
0: arena. And so they had to go to St. Thomas, a division three school yeah. um, to play this game. So, uh, yeah, it,
1: i don't know man like i'm texting i'm texting ish updates as, yeah. as in, because lord knows nobody should be watching this
0: game. nobody should be watching this and
1: game. i have it on my phone I, I don't even i'm not even on the television watching it because i'm watching other good games at this point <laughs> i have it on my phone and i'm just texting ish utsa sent. they sent it to overtime and then it's like all right here goes overtime and then utsa just pulls away you're like all right it's over rice has no answers and rice Rice is, um, I don't know how many games they win in conference. Like, I don't know if they win. Like, they play UTSA again, but this time it's at UTSA. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably lose that game. Temple on the road, probably lose that game. So, yeah, a, a three-win conference season is very much on the table. Yeah. And I just think it has to be the end of the Scott Perry in your, I, I, I understand like, there's challenges at Rice, but this it should not be the standard.
0: I think like when you, yeah, when you're falling behind, let's put for 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 those who are unaware, we're putting the why is like oh why is you losing the UTSA so bad? Listen, UTSA, their head coach Steve Henson, is in his last year of a contract. Nobody coaches in the last year of a contract. You either fire them. Or extend them. And they don't have the money to fire him. And he has no other option but to just coach out this year with a team that is brand new, except Jordan Ivy who came back um, after transferring to Pacific, after his whole team transferred, because they were like, there's no future here. Yep. <laughs> and they beat Rice playing a game that Rice theoretically wants to play, which is an up-and-down kind of offensive game. Mm-hmm. With Rice returning three of their four best players from last year, right? I mean, at least Evie, at Feeler, Mason. Like
1: yeah, Feeler, Mason, I'm Evie. Like, Those like are, that, yeah. that core. Yeah, that core.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like I, losing to this team. I don't know, man. This we're, is the
1: dagger. It's the dagger. Yeah, this, we're this, done. It. We're done with this. I'm not. Yeah. We're never talking about Rice on this podcast again. Or I don't care if they beat. Memphis in the next game. I'm not talking about them. Yeah. Rice is done. However, on the other side, let's be positive for a second. Shout out UTSA for getting this win. Because listen, I was
0: about to say, do you want to talk about a team that's like I'll get, I'll give them fighting. fighting. They're playing for Steve Henson.
1: They're fighting a little bit, right? UAB they lost by two on a buzzer beater at home. They come back, beat Rice in overtime. They play Memphis next. They're going to get beat by 25, but that's okay. Yeah, I was just
0: about to say, what if they go above 500? But I was like, no, never mind. Next <laughs> time.
1: <laughs> Um, look, the career arc for, for UTSA is very much like, you know, in the gutters for so long that we start feeling bad for you. And once you start showing, showing some life, we will respect it. Mm-hmm. So we respect the effort in these two conference games and sure. so get over the Memphis game, try to get a couple more, couple wins in here. Um, I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if UTSA ends with a better record than Rice.
0: Ken Palm has Rice projected as the last place team in the American now. Yeah, it's it's done. It's done. Quick it's done. shout out uh, the women's team two zero, so the good side of Rice basketball. Yes, two and zero in conference. So. Shout
1: out to them. Yeah. Um, all right, where are we at? All right, let's.
0: We spent enough time not talking about um, the biggest crime of the weekend. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, TCU and Kansas. Uh, okay, we're gonna go to Fog Allen. Uh, T or excuse me, Kansas eighty three, TCU eighty one. If you're a TCU fan, you probably know where I'm going with this. Um, I mean, look, TCU won this game. Yeah, like TCU straight up won this game. Um, what was the score at the time of that awful? They were
1: up. Was it not? It was eighty-one seventy-nine, right? With the ball, eighty-one seventy-nine, and they what was it? It was a they called a flagrant. They called, they called it a flagrant. Flag, no,
0: first so 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 eighty-one seventy-nine, inadvertent elbow. It was flat out inadvertent elbow. They stop a fast break. Yep. The refs have, because Hunter Dickinson's down. So TCU's up. They're about to go up four. Yep. They they stop the advantage because Hunter Dickinson's down. So they call back. So not only do they lose a layup, it would have been put them up four. They go back, review the play. Everybody's like, oh, no, this is an inverted elbow. We'll just re-up. Here's the ball, TCU ball. No, they call a flagrant. <laughs> Two shots, and then Kansas gets the ball back, yep. and they go. And it was it's it's the most egregious Fog Allen type play I think I've ever seen. Like everybody has the conspiracies about Fog Allen Fieldhouse. It's like, oh, what happened? You know, there's, there's the I'm not going to say that the refs rigged it or anything, but it, they just get calls in Fog Allen, yeah. right? They, they just yes. get calls. Yes um i'm not one of those people that's like hugely conspiratorial but things just go their way and fog out and it feels like i don't know if it's the environment or what but this was the most egregious that i've seen in a long time tcu won this game and i'm gonna treat my evaluation of tcu as if they won this game which is this team's damn good
1: yeah i don't remember what what was the result last year gosh it was a non-conference where it was the goaltending call was it houston goal-tending. oh my goodness was it it was it was one of the but anyways I treat this the same way I treat that. Yeah, this is a this is a great result for TCU to go on the road down at the field house and play the way that they played for really the entire game. Um I was floored. I you know, I write down a couple just words or notes here and there mm-hmm. as I watch and what Jamie Dixon has done to this offense has been outstanding. Yeah. I just the pace they play with, not only not in terms of, of fast breaks, which they do get a lot of fast break points. They're fourth mm-hmm. in the country in offensive uh time of possession. But just in the half court, they they just whip the ball around. They find the open man, they they make the extra pass. They're 19th in the country in assist percentage. They routinely like just find the open roll man, and then the roll man makes the right decision to kick to a shooter and Travian Tennyson ends the game, I believe, five of six from three against Kansas. Um, I'm sorry, six of eight from three, and I was about
0: to say, one of his. Uh, he started the game, which is not something he, he doesn't always yeah. start. But they're they're very versatile enough to where they can have so many different starting lineups.
1: Yeah, and like Jameer Nelson, plays 24. Avery Anderson, 20 minutes. Um, you know, Chuck O'Bannon, 10. They're able to like work those guards around really well. So, but overall, very very impressive performance. 17 assists to nine turnovers. Uh, they forced 18 turnovers um from kansas and overall were the better team and it raises the question now i mean i i wasn't the highest on tcu coming out of non-conference yeah. play, right i was like okay but well they've they've lost their only two games to good teams right clemson and nevada right there the rest of their schedule was their best one is what arizona state um other oh, than that yeah, it's yeah. been like hawaii and old dominion or georgetown Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this is the win. And they end up losing the game on, on the scoreboard. So now it's Oklahoma and Houston, the next two games at home, Wednesday and Saturday. I I, have to wonder if the Houston train stops rolling at any point. But like, you know, if TCU can get that win, maybe. But mm-hmm. there will be a moment where TCU comes out and punches somebody in the face and wins a game that maybe we think, oh, wow, that's surprising. And it wouldn't shock me at all if it's Houston on Saturday at home.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that for me, I think it it, Jamie Dixon heard a lot of the criticisms of his past couple teams, even going back to like Desmond Bain, where it was like, okay, there's one guy, it seems like all the offense goes through. He's like, Okay, cool, like, bet. We're gonna get like we're gonna get Tennyson, we're gonna get Jameer Nelson Jr., we're gonna get, you know, Avery Anderson, we're just gonna get shot makers. And like you mentioned, like I love that not only do they run good stuff to get people open, to get cutters, but also like after the shots up, they're still a really good offensive rebounding team. Right. That was one thing that I was worried about was like, okay, you get a lot of these guys who, not saying they can't play defense or aren't, aren't, you know, aren't physical, but like they're, they're used to being their own guy in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, okay, how do they all play together? It's like, no, no, that's that, like that through line of still crashing the boards offensively is still there. Cause I think what are they still? They're still top 15 in the country, I believe, in offensive. Let me see. Ah, uh, seventeen. or no, nope.
1: That's twenty uh, third. Uh, I see. Twenty third. There you go.
0: Yeah. Um, and like, the, so the the identity of this team still is there, and they're still playing good enough defense, right? They're not great, but they're still enough, uh, to, well enough to where they can they can get a stop when they need to. And I love the fact that this team has so many options, offensively, but also just like I mentioned with the lineup, right? Traven Tennyson hasn't started. A lot of games. Uh, Jameer Nelson Jr. came off the bench in this game. Like, so it's just like they're able to do so much. And, like, I think this, the length of this lineup that they started Miller, Tennyson, Peavey, Anderson, Uday, that's a long lineup, right? Yep like anderson's 6-2 and, and Tennyson's 6-3 but they're very lengthy guys on the perimeter so yeah. they were able to come out and play good defense good enough defense to kind of make things interesting but also not lose anything in terms of creativity or um or or, or shot making so i don't know i i i was like you like you this team had only played two good teams and they lost to them both yep. um so it was like okay i'm i was worried about them getting blown out by kansas but By all means, they won this game to me, and I think this is a this adds another layer to that tough Big 12. They were like, Okay, cool, no, this team's legit.
1: Yeah, um, stay in the Big 12 for a second. I'm it's kind of two part. Every, mm-hmm. When I said AM was the best team in the country, they've fallen off a cliff. So I'm sorry, not <laughs> in the country, in Texas, yeah. uh, they fell off a cliff. Which we'll, we'll talk about AM in a second. I don't know if you want to talk, bring them up, but I'll, I'm going to re- talk re- about yeah, some LSU. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about Houston real quick because I just they they continue to stay out of the top spot in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. And you know, polls are polls, but what they did to West Virginia on Saturday was not normal yeah. and this is a west virginia team that i understand is uh not great five and nine overall but sure. it's also a team that since getting some of their players back from the um the waiver decision mm-hmm. uh you know went to overtime with ohio state and i think is a much better team than what it was early in the year sure and houston just beat the brakes off of them they were up 40 at one point. And so now it becomes undeniable to where Houston is beating teams that are good, not great, but good, beating mm-hmm. them like a drum. And now they have Iowa State on the road today. And this is the game to me that's gonna really solidify it. I think Houston wins this game. I think Houston goes on the road and shuts Iowa State down, holds holds them to like under 60 and wins the game and says, All right, we are the number one team in the country. And this is the stretch. Iowa State on the road, TCU on the road. If they can win both of those games, they're undisputed. They're the number one team in the country, and they are the best team in the country if they win both.
0: Yeah. No, I, you're, I'm running out of things to say about them because, like, I'm waiting for kind of the marquee matchups because it's like they're doing everything they can against these lesser competition. Like, they're literally, like, you know, you, you would want to see them destroy these teams, and they are, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, I can't even make a – uh, strength of schedule qual- common op- or quality of opponent argument because like this is what you would want them to do to lesser opponents is put the put you know put the 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 boot on them and so yeah i iowa state is gonna be a good barometer um but then like even you look look i'm, I'm gonna ask you this look at their next five games iowa state at iowa state at tcu home against tech home against ucf at byu where's the loss that you would put your money to right now?
1: Like I said, I think TCU on the road is probably the one I'm scared of. Sure. That's probably the only, that's, that's the one to me. Like Iowa State in theory could be a loss, right? I'm not mm-hmm. denying that, sure. but TCU on the road is probably the only one. I'm like, maybe they could lose it, but they're not losing to Texas Tech at home. They're not losing to UCF at home. Like, Honestly, BYU, BYU, BYU by double digits. Yeah. Uh, BYU on the road is tricky. Right. We, we joked about that. Like, that's a that's a tough place to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, But still, I expect them to win that game. And so, yeah, I agree. It's we get through this conference like Kansas to me is is a great team. Baylor is a, is a very good team mm-hmm. outside of those two. I think like Houston should be favored against everybody else in the conference, regardless of where they play. Sure. I think so, too. All right. Uh do you have anything else? Anything else?
0: No, uh, I'll let you go. I'll let you talk a little bit about AM because I know they played Yeah uh, LSU and I was confused by how that game went.
1: <laughs> oh, don't don't be confused. Don't don't be confused. There's no reason to be confused. AM was all right. I've never been more wrong on this podcast than I was okay. when I said what I said about Texas AM. Okay. I and I was actually ready, you know after a&m lost to houston by like four i was like you know i wasn't it wasn't that bad of a take surely yeah. this is reasonable but now this team sits at 9 and 5 overall um early in the season beat ohio state and smu uh also beat iowa state on a neutral so they have some wins i'm not denying mm-hmm. their resume is, is ha- they have some wins but this game gets lsu at home to start conference play i think showed the glaring flaws that this team has and the roster construction that buzz Williams has here last year they went 15-3 in conference there's no denying it very very good team ended up losing the first round of the tournament so you have question marks about you know how good they really were I don't think the SEC was good last year mm-hmm. at all I think it was, a, it was a bad conference for for its standards so A&M took advantage of that this year you start at home against LSU and you get beaten down like a drum, yeah. 68 to 53. And now it's an AM team that going into that game was seventh in the country in offensive efficiency on Ken Palm. And it's only because of one reason it's because of your offensive rebounding percentage. They were number one in the country and they're still number one in the country in offensive rebound percentage. But they are now shooting 26.6% from three ish, mm-hmm. 350th in the country. They are. Oh. 179th and two point percentage, 223rd and free throw percentage. This team can't shoot. They can't shoot the ball. And so LSU, which I don't think they has a great defense or anything, we watched Texas drop 95 points on them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: LSU was just going to the rim and just putting their hands up and going straight up and saying, "All right, make these contested twos over us." And lo and behold, they didn't. Like that's going to happen when you take a bunch of contested twos because that, those are hard shots. Yeah. And AnM. Defensively, I didn't think was was great. Like they held LSU to like what was it, 34 35% shooting? But to end the game shooting 25% from the field, five of 28 from three, it was a staggering perform for <laughs> performance by Texas AM. And it is something that I just can't let go. That is that's an atrocious loss. And I still don't think LSU is a top 10 team in the conference. But now AM has to go on the road at Auburn. At home against Kentucky as their next two games, we could be looking at an 0 3 Texas A&M team, and if this team ends the year, like I, I'll let you res- respond to that first. No, it, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I mean I, I have nothing to add. Like I, I think that this, I mean, we're looking at pound for pound the most disappointing team. If this team, like I'm not even saying doesn't even win the SEC, I'm talking about like they could fall out of like the top contending team if Palm has them at nine and nine
1: right now in conference
0: that, if that'd be nine that'd nine, and nine be, that'd be ridiculous that'd be that'd
1: be that'd be the that'd be the biggest disappointment of the season by far in by Texas far. like that that's the one if they end the season nine and nine I'm I'm st- I'm already starting to look at last year like so they flat. had an awful yeah. non-conference yeah they went 15-3 in conference so that's that's what we're holding on to yeah and then they lose in the first round of the tournament to Penn State so now it's where what was the fluke right was the fluke penn state getting hot in the tournament and beating you or was it the 15 and 3 conference run where i already said last year's conference was not good i was about to say
0: the sec looked like they may have just been down it was it was
1: a down year for the sec um they dropped to fourth in the conference rankings below the big east big 10 big 12 last year and just above the pac-12 um, and we talked about it like Kentucky was a six seed, Auburn nine seed, Arkansas eight seed, like all these teams. And so now it becomes where what which one was the outlier? Because right. right now, AM, I don't trust it. I don't trust it at all. Because if you can't shoot and you're relying solely on offensive rebounds the way that this team is, and LSU's weaknesses were rebounding and like defending, and you can't even beat them at home what are we doing here? They're not beating Auburn tonight. And I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to Kentucky at home. And then we just have to hit the panic button and say, all right, where are we at? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, again, this isn't like you mentioned, the whole team really has troubleshooting, but like you can kind of look at Wade Taylor yeah, as like a catalyst for, again, it's not his faults. There's a lot more going on, but He's also shooting horrendously this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a 27% down from 35%, which looking at his, looking at his first year uh, it was last year might be the anomaly. He yep. shot 27% as a freshman, 35% last year, and he's 27% this year. Uh, is he just a bad shooter who had a hot year last year?
1: Um, yeah. And lat- this year, incredibly streaky. We had the six of 14 game against Houston. Yeah. Um, Other than we had the five of eight game against FAU, other than that, oh, and four of seven versus DePaul. Like, those Mm -hmm. are the only three games where he's hit more than three threes. I'm sorry, four of seven against uh AM Commerce as well. But like, SMU, Mm -hmm. oh, of seven from three, LSU, three of 12, Prairie View, one of seven, Memphis, oh, of nine, Iowa State, oh, of six, Oral Roberts, oh, of three from three. Like, I it's just Virginia, one of six. So if he's not shooting the ball well, this team is not is not on that level. And I'll give you another thing. Let me let me vet this before I check because it, it feels this way. Yeah. I know Boots Radford missed some time, mm-hmm. but like he's talking about players regressing a little bit. I mean, he's regressed significantly from where he was last year. I mean, he's on a 25% from three, eight of thirty-two, uh, sixty-nine percent on the free throw line. Like, he's there's there's nothing, there's nothing to hold on to with this team right now. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Auburn on the road will not be fun tonight, so we'll see. Um, last thing, real quick, I want to throw this out there. Women's basketball result all I thought was interesting. I, I did not watch this, but um, oh, where'd it go? Dang it, here it is. UT Arlington women's basketball. We we pronounced them dead. Uh, we said it was over. Mm-hmm. They just beat Stephen F. Austin 81 to 62. Okay. Uh, It looks, now, again, didn't watch it. So, please feel free to correct me, anybody. Zoe Nelson for SFA looks like maybe she got hurt. Only played mm-hmm. 10 minutes, zero points. But still, everybody else, Lombard, Harden, uh, McClink-Hall, all these players played for SFA and UT Arlington. Uh, Behind the effort of Talia Clark, who scores 27 points, 11-16 shooting, 5-6 from 3. Okay. Leads the way, so... Shout out to Lee Clark. Want to give UTA a shout out there because we did say it was not looking good, but now two and Oh, three, and know, two and Oh in conference. Uh, and five straight wins after starting off was that one and eight and now they're six and eight. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Mm-hmm. There we go. A little bit of a, a little bit. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so yeah, credit to them and we'll see how that continues to go as we get more. Results. A lot of teams have only played one or two uh conference games at this point, but I want to give them a shout out on pod. All right. right. That's all we got. A lot of games will be tonight and on Tuesday and then Wednesday. Um and so we'll be back Friday to recap those and um talk about anything else that um breaks as well. Uh I think this was a good podcast to kind of get our overall thoughts on a lot of teams because now we're now it's getting real. And so now we see yep. how the dust settles. All right. Uh, that's all we got. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Leave us a five-star rating review on Apple, Spotify. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not already. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. We will talk to you all then.